I want to ask you to help me a little bit here. The, there's a cartoon strip not too long ago. I think it was the one that's called Kathy. And Kathy was waiting for the callback of a boy that she had met and taken her phone number. And she, well, he took her phone number, her cell number, her fax number, her uh, email at home, and her email at work. And she, she said to herself in this last frame, you know, it's really difficult to keep checking all of these various ways to communicate for rejection. So how I want you to help me is not rejection, but acceptance. How are the ways that we communicate with one another? Telephone? Okay, what, what, do, you, what do you use to communicate with someone else? Email. How, how many email accounts do you have? You have two, three? Okay, got to check them all. Text messaging? Instant message? Facebook? Ooh, popular. Anybody Twitter? Huh? Carrier pigeon? How about up there in the balcony? Okay, you guys in the balcony, how do you guys communicate? Text messaging, Facebook. Facebook. MySpace. Anybody use a number two pencil and a piece of paper? Oh, there we go. Yeah, we've got a few throwbacks. That's right. I'm a ham radio operator, so I can do it by Morris code, or by voice, pick up the microphone and talk. Have you ever seen the glance? You're at a party. This is my experience. I'm at a party, not you, but me. I'm at a party and I'm over at the dessert table, right? Over at the dessert table, like that. And then comes the glance from my wife, all the way across the room. Not a word, but I get the message. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. There are many ways to communicate. But after God had been silent for 400 years, after the prophets had stopped speaking, after the judges had stopped leading and the kings had come to an end and they were overtaken by foreign powers, God finally spoke. God spoke to God's people by sending a Savior, a Son, Jesus Christ. And that's how God communicated with us after 400 years. And even today, Through reading God's Word, the Word made flesh, according to John chapter 1, and through the inspiration of Christ's Spirit in the Holy Spirit, we are nudged and formed and directed, and that's how God communicates with us. But God's message comes to us in several imperatives where God is really instructing us what to do. Two of those imperatives are what we're going to be talking about today. The imperative to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize those who respond to the gospel. 
And the, another imperative is that we are to take, eat, take, and drink in the fellowship of the body. These are things we are to do. But the problem is, many, many Christians fail in the doing part. I have in my hand this little book, and it's called The 77 Habits of Highly Ineffective Christians. Christian comedian Chris Fabry has written down some thoughts, and I want to turn to number 10, okay? Habit number 10. Let me just read it to you. I can't do it the way he does it. Now you have to understand that Fabry is picking on everybody, okay? Christians of all kind, all right? So if you feel sort of pricked and disturbed by what he says, if you feel convicted he's talking directly to your heart, ooh, okay, yeah. It may surprise you that some of the most ineffective Christians today learn more about the Bible than anyone else. Let me explain. Those who constantly sit under the teaching of the Word have a wonderful opportunity for mediocrity. These are people who most likely have five or more Bibles as well as a shelf of Christian books and commentaries and say amen while listening to their Christian radio station with all the car windows down and the volume up. These people teach classes, answer questions correctly, and pray an inordinately long time on Wednesday evening or Sunday morning or whenever you gather. But the pivotal word for them is hear, for they only listen to the word and don't do it in their lives. Follow their example. Become filled with the desire to hear facts and view charts and maps about the Bible so you can tell others all the neat information that you've gleaned. But do not do the Word. Go away from each conference or seminar feeling very good about transcribing the entire outline and all the scriptural references. But don't do a thing about changing your own life. If you encounter an admonition against a particular sin, simply look past the passage until you come to something you're already doing right. This, of course, is like a man who looks in the mirror at a restaurant and fails to remove the broccoli from his teeth. But he's also the one who's quick to point out the cream corn on your lapel. Hear as much about Christianity as you can, but do as little as possible so it will have the least effect in your own life. And by all means, the scripture to avoid is James 1, verses 23, 24, and 25. Well, this is all tongue-in-cheek, of course, because the two imperatives that we're talking about today are telling us 
to do. What was the Nike uh, phrase of a few years ago? Just do it. Isn't that what Jesus told us? Just do it. And today we're talking about two of the things, two imperatives. In the Greek language, an imperative is a, something you've got to do. It, it's that assertion that this is what is important. And Jesus is making a point that that's what you should be doing. First is to preach the Gospel. And God says that the Word will be sent forth and it will not return empty. That means that people will respond when you preach the Gospel with your life, with your doing. Because what you do speaks louder than what you say. And so it says in, to, to go into the world. Go into the world. And as we know today, the world is just right outside of our doors. It's in the neighborhood and in the, the, the community and in the valley. That's where we're supposed to go. And we're supposed to preach the gospel so that people respond. To tell the story of how Christ has touched your life and what a difference it has made. So that there can be more baptisms. Because you're to go and to preach and then when there is response and there is fruit to the preaching of the Word, you are to baptize them in the Trinitarian formula to be able to, to affirm that they have heard and are ready to act on what their heart is telling them. That's an imperative. It's not an option. And then the other imperative is that we are to gather around table and to do it to support one another because going forth and preaching and bearing fruit for Christ and bringing people to be baptized drains us because it is hard work. And so we gather at the table such that we are replenished and renewed. We are reminded of Jesus' gift to us. And we're reminded that we're not alone. That we are together. We are the body of Christ. We are to take the bread and break it. We are to take the cup and drink it. And we are to remember. It is in doing these things, these two imperatives, that we live life as Christians, as we ought to. Not just memorizing the playbook and sitting on the bench in a football field. That's my favorite image. But it is that we would go forth and to do what it is that we are called to do. And so my charge to all of you is to be doers of the Word. To be doing the imperatives. To both be going out and to be gathering around table. To be nurtured so that we are able to have an authentic experience of our risen Lord. An authentic partaking of Holy Communion, and that in all of that,
we will be blessed. And the world will be blessed. And God will be praised. Amen? Amen.